something that you have not heard already. Uh, but again, I hope it will be a blessing and a help to you, especially uh, during these days of uh, quarantine and the different type of lifestyle that each one of us have had to live and are continuing to have to deal with uh, in our current situation. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. I think over the last few nights uh, and seeing the things that we have seen on television, I think we would all agree that the days are evil. Uh, this is a very, very trying time for our nation, uh, not just with the, the the virus that's spreading, but with all of the riots and all the things taking place across the country. And um, if, if I was talking to one of our men this morning, if you're not careful, you turn on the news or you go on social media, you see all of these images and all of these videos of things that are taking place across the country, and it's extremely depressing. Uh, it's very, very sad. Uh, it reminds me of the time a uh, young lady was going to Sunday school class, and she walked in her class, and her teacher was teaching on the children of Israel, and the teacher was telling her how uh, all these great things that the children of Israel accomplished. She said the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, and they conquered the Philistines, and the children of Israel built a temple, and the little girl raised her hand and said, well, while all this was going on, where were all the grown-ups? And that's kind of how I feel in our country right now with everything going on. Where are all the grown-ups? Uh, it, it almost seems like the, the children are running the show. Uh, it's a very evil world in which we live. And uh, Brother Jeremiah's quoted this uh, state, made this statement, made this quote a couple of times over the last few months. And it's a, not from a, a source that we would really consider quotable, but uh, from the uh, former White House Chief of Staff, Rahm Emanuel, uh, he made the quote a, a few years ago, you never let a serious crisis go to waste. It's an opportunity to do things you think you could not do before. It's an opportunity to do things you, you think you could not do before. Now, in the context of which he was speaking, most of us would disagree. The way that he was directing that quote and the way that he was meaning that statement, most of us would be in uh, opposition to that. But I want to build off of really that thought today. Uh, the passage of Scripture, redeeming the time because the days are evil, we ought to then take this crisis and in a positive way do some things in our lives that maybe we haven't been able to do before and take advantage of this opportunity. That word redeem in the scripture means to buy up for one's use. The Bible's telling us here to use your time because the days are evil. Don't waste it. There are a lot of things you can do with time. We talk about them all the time. You can, uh, you can make time. You can take time. Many of us are, are, are marking time. Sometimes we're always working, we're always working on ways to, be, to save time. And we've got all of these devices, iPhones and Androids and uh, tablets and computers, and they're all designed to help us save time, but yet it seems like it does nothing but add more work to us. Uh, we have, many of us are very guilty of killing time, uh, but by far the worst thing that you can do with time is to waste it, is to waste it. People who farm say things in the morning like we're burning daylight. That's a farmer's way of, uh, of saying, get busy, we're wasting time. And in Ephesians 5, Paul's talking to first century believers and he's warning them of the dangers of wasting time. And the problem with wasting time is that the days are evil. These two things are very closely related. Now, I think all of us would agree we live in a very evil day. I've seen many comments from many of you, and, and uh, uh, we've, we've watched and, and really just in frustration, uh, you know, spoken out about things that are going on in the world. And really over the last few years, especially, it seems like it's getting worse and worse. Interestingly, the word evil 
used in Scripture here is a derivative of a word that means great trouble or hardships. That is, the Scripture teaching us, make the most of the time that you have because, the, because, because these are challenging days that are working against you. Now, we all know time is not neutral. It's always moving. It's continually, uh, uh, continually moving. Never stand still in good times or bad times. Um, you know, my daughter uh, often prays that Lord help the school week to go by quickly. And when summer comes, my daughter prays, Lord help it to go by slowly. We go on vacation. We pray, Lord help it to. S-. We know it's not going to change time, but we act, we just pray that Lord just make it seem like it's dragging on in the good times, and we want the bad times to go quickly. But we understand that time is not neutral. It's uh, constantly moving. Now, with that thought in mind. This last Monday was a Memorial Day, and, and many of us uh, saw tributes to those who have lost their lives in defending our country and, and providing freedom for us in the United States of America. And uh, I enjoy days like Memorial Day, days like Veterans Day, where we have the opportunity to look back at those who've provided for us, uh, in a sense here in America, the freedoms that we get to enjoy. I enjoy documentaries. I like looking back and seeing things that have happened in the past. I, I'm, I'm not you know, as excited about things that are just fiction. I really enjoy things, uh, biographies, true stories, things of that nature. And around Memorial Day, you see documentaries of men who have sacrificed and given their lives for our country. And, and even uh, during days like that, you'll see maybe documentaries of events that took place like in World War II. And how sad it is to see those men who are coming out of prison camps in Germany and Japan and see how uh, these men were so mistreated and they came out and they literally look like skin and bones. They're so malnourished. They're so emaciated. And, uh, and when they come out of, the, of these prison camps, I, it's, it's just so shocking. Some of the, the video was so awful when... Uh, these men were, were going into the prison camps for the first time. Uh, many Americans were going to these prison camps and, and videoing the conditions of many of our soldiers. And some of the videos were so horrific that the United States government literally censored them and would not let them be released to the public because they knew the public sentiment would be to go in and really utterly destroy Germany and Japan. And our, our leaders, knowing that we need to go in and help rebuild their economies and build, rebuild their countries and help put in uh, stable governments, knew that this was going to be a very devastating proposition if our people would have seen all the horrible things that took place out of those prison camps. Now, with that thought in mind, when we come out of this, when we completely, I know we're starting to phase out of it, but when we completely come out of this shelter-in-place mentality, this mentality of social distance guidelines, once they're lifted entirely, it ought to be a fear of ours. It ought to be something that we're aware of. We don't want to come out of this season of life spiritually malnourished, spiritually looking like skin and bones, spiritually looking like these men coming out of prison camps. And and we see how malnourished and mistreated they were. And if we're not careful, when we come out of all of this, we have the opportunity to grow in the Lord or we have the opportunity to be very malnourished and not growing spiritually as we should. And when it comes back and we come back ready to convene and be at church again, uh, we could lose some people along the way. So with that thought in mind, uh, we want to look spirit. We want we want our friends and family to look at us spiritually. We don't want them to think, "What in the world happened to them? What happened to you over the last three months? What took place in your spiritual life when you came back? You just your your spiritual life is just uh, non-existent." So tonight, I want to challenge you to evaluate your life. 
in four critical areas. And again, we're not just going to follow the passage of Scripture in Ephesians 5. We're going to bounce around and just hit some key points here. Things for us to evaluate in our lives to redeem the time that we have, to use it in a proper way. Why? Because the days are evil. So first point tonight, first point, don't waste the opportunity to worship. Don't waste the opportunity to worship. I know it can be a little awkward sitting at home and singing out when you're watching the live stream service. And uh, it's even a little awkward uh, when you're spread out in the auditorium. It was so awesome to see everybody here today. I don't know whatever, what other word to use. It was great. It was, it was just a wonderful thing to have everyone here today. But even being so spread out, it was, it was a little awkward and, and trying to be polite and maybe talk to people, but, but we can't really convene a whole lot and we're having to ask people to get out of the auditorium after the service is over. Uh, that's not our typical uh, schedule. That's not our typical activity. But even though it's a little bit awkward, uh, how the question, for the, the question is this. Over the last few weeks, how has your worship time developed? Now, I know music and worship are not exclusively the same thing, but the Bible is filled with commandments relating to singing songs to the Lord. And that's not just relegated to Sunday worship only. And again, I know it's a little awkward to be sitting at home and uh, Heath's up here leading and he's leading us in song to sit at home and try to sing out with your family. It's a little bit awkward. What I would encourage you to do is pump up the volume, turn it up really loud so when you sing, you're not the only one singing. You hear Brother Heath leading and, uh, and go that way. Uh, one reason sometimes our Sunday worship When we come to church on Sundays, oftentimes we'll stand up here and we'll get ready to sing. We'll be sitting in our seat and we're getting ready to sing and and there's not much energy. It's not what it should be. And the reason is we haven't been worshiping the Lord all week before we get to church. Often we come to church and it's been six to seven days since we've lifted our voice in song to the Lord. How sad would it be to go six or seven weeks before we lifted up our voice in song to the Lord? So have you done over the last six to seven weeks in your worship to the Lord? We shouldn't be spiritually withered away when we finally get back. Brother Heath mentioned this this morning and made the statement of corporate worship. When we come back and we're all together in this building, it'll be, again, an exciting time when all the restrictions are lifted and we're all back together again. But we should not be spiritually withered away when we finally get back to worship the Lord together, all together as one church. So what are you doing to redeem the time in your worship? There are a couple things that you can do. Uh, Worship in song every day. Really, that's the biblical model, to worship the Lord in song. Uh, We live in a technological age, and I mean, it's easier now than ever before to to worship the Lord in song. Man, you've got a device. You've got Pandora. You've got Spotify. Put that music on. You have an iTunes account. Make you a good playlist that you can sing out and, and worship the Lord. And if you don't know about technology and you don't know how to work any of that stuff, just tell Siri, play something by, you know, Bill Gaither or something. You know, you'll have some good music come on and you'll have the opportunity to sing. We have all the opportunities to worship the Lord that are provided for us. And we ought to take advantage of that. How are you expressing worship to God in this current environment? I'll remind you of the story of of Jesus in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, very familiar story. Jesus meets the woman at the well. And in John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus says to her, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, this is the kind of worshipers that God the Father seeks. This is what he's looking for. Now, in this whole exchange with the woman at the well, she was focused on the wrong thing. She was focused on the where of worship. 
Now, if you go backwards a little bit in John chapter 4, verse 19, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. She began to argue about which mountain we're supposed to worship on, where our worship is supposed to take place. Jesus explained to her, it's not the where of worship, it's the who. So every week when we gather, we come together for corporate worship. Remember, and and do remember this, we are to come together for worship, for corporate worship together, where the church is a called out assembly. We are to assemble together. But there are some things that God has declared that should happen when we assemble together. When we get together, the Bible says, Ephesians 5, 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3, 16, almost the exact same uh, uh, statement here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, speaking to one another. And psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is something that should happen all the time. This ought to be something that should happen on a regular basis. So then when we come together, we then do together what we've been doing privately all week. If we want to redeem the time and we want to take advantage of the opportunity we have, because the days are evil, we want to take advantage of the time we have, I encourage you to spend the next few weeks especially on worship. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's not wait for Sunday to listen to somebody online or listen to somebody stand before us while we mumble along. Worship the Lord together. No, on your own time, at home, when nobody's around, when there's no audience. That's even the best time because nobody can criticize your singing, okay? But put some music on and sing. Don't don't sing for yourself. Don't sing for anyone else. But for the audience of one, sing for the Lord. And when you worship the Lord together for six days, when we come together on that seventh day, man, it's going to be exciting. So let's... Redeem the time in our worship. Number two, don't waste the opportunity to witness. Don't waste the opportunity to witness. Often we use the word witness when we think about soul winning, and that's great, and that's a good thing. The Bible says in Acts 1.8, Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now often when we read that passage of Scripture, we think, Big picture, great commission, missions, soul winning, and those are wonderful, great things to consider. You may even ask, how can I be a witness in these days? I mean, I can't even talk to anybody without a mask over my face. I mean, how am I supposed to witness to someone? That's a great great question. But the point is this. First, before we start looking and putting our attention on all the things in foreign missions and even national missions, Let's look first and foremost at the mission that God called us to first. Don't overlook the witness you need to be at home. The witness we need to be at home. Unless you live alone, there's someone under your roof who needs to see Jesus in you. That's especially true if you have a family member that's a child. Look, in these days of quarantine and virus and riots and all the things going on in the world, parents, especially grandparents, we have a great responsibility. We have a great opportunity, but a great responsibility to show our children what faith in God looks like. Many of us, I'm afraid, we hear bad news on the news, which, by the way, it doesn't matter which, which news station you watch, which news channel you watch, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, OANN, it doesn't make a difference. They're all in the business of ratings and to get you watching, and you don't watch for good news. So they're all going to continually give you bad news. Now, we all know that, okay? 
But understand, if I'm filling my mind consistently and constantly with bad news, I'm not walking in faith. I'm not in the Word of God, and then I'm now not exhibiting faith to those in my home. I ought to be a witness at home and faith in God. As all these trying times and all these horrible things are taking place in the world, I ought to be a source of grace and peace at home to my children. How sad is it for children, especially who grow up in Christian homes, to have to live in fear of things taking place in the world? Now look, I can say this. I grew up in the 80s. I grew up in the days that we were worried about. There was fear about the Russians invading and nuclear missiles and nuclear bombs. And I was listening to a podcast this week, and and there was a man talking about how he lived in fear. He knew he was not going to see adulthood because he knew the moment was going to come at any moment that we're going into nuclear war. We were all going to be annihilated. And I thought, you know what? I grew up in in the same time frame, and I never really worried about that. You know, I mean, the only thing I cared about was as long as Rocky beat the Russian and Rocky IV, man, that was it. That was my only fear. Other than that, I wasn't living in fear. Why? Because I had parents who taught me that, you know what, God is in control. And when there's so much fear going, going around the world and so many people living and fretting in fear, Christians ought to stand apart. We ought to stand apart as different as a, as a witness of the grace of God and the peace of God. So I encourage you to be a witness at home. The Apostle Paul did a lot of witnessing while he was chained to Roman guards and while he was in prison. He did a lot of witnessing while he was in a bad situation in a bad spot. Now, nobody here is under house arrest. Uh, it's true that a shelter-in-place order can put you in a lot of close proximity with other people, and they need to see a Christian witness in you. We're talking about the people in your home. You know, Google re- has reported an exponential increase in searches for the word prayer. There's a university professor in Denmark who's been working on this and working on a study before the the coronavirus uh, swept uh, uh, the world. And he said this. He's been studying the link to crises and religion. And he wrote the statement just a couple of weeks ago. He said, I find that the intensified searches on prayer during the COVID-19 pandemic is global. It occurs on all continents and for Christians and Muslims. Even Denmark, one of the least religious countries in the world, sees systematic increases in internet searches on prayer. There are people in this world who are looking for a witness during times of pandemic and fear. And if it's not going to be Christians, then who is it going to be? If it's not going to be us being the right witness and testimony in these days of fear, then who is it going to be? The word witness also speaks, again, of your testimony, not just evangelism, but being a good witness for the love of Christ. It's so easy in these difficult days to let our guard down and let our flesh rise up. It doesn't take long of watching the television over the last few nights to let your flesh get a hold of you. But you know what people who are rioting in these big cities all over the country need? You know what they need to see from us? The love of Christ. What they don't need to see is another rant on social media from a guy they don't know in Mississippi. What good is that going to do anyway? None. What people in our community in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, ought to see when they're seeing all the tragic things taking place in big cities across the country and people are living in genuine fear in our cities, what they ought to see from us is the love of Christ. They don't need me and you getting up in anger and frustration in the flesh, telling them everything that's wrong in the world. They need to see the love of Christ. You say, well, those, those people who are rioting up there, you know, those are horrible, awful people. And look, I get it. I understand. I, I, I'm with you. But you, you can't be so naive to think that all of those people rioting are just doing this all on their own. They're being influenced by other people. They're being influenced by evil people in this world. 
And we ought to be the influence of the love of Christ on the other side here to show them there's another way to live. You don't have to live in hatred. You don't have to live hating everyone else and in fear and in a destruction and in an anger. You can live in the love and peace of Christ. Again, if we're not going to show the love of Christ, who is going to? We're so often concerned that the coronavirus can steal our health and our ability to breathe. We are so often concerned about the rioting of godless people in our cities across the country. But don't let it steal your testimony. Don't let it steal your witness. Don't waste the opportunity to worship. Don't waste the opportunity to witness. Number three here, don't waste the opportunity to work. Many people in our country are laid off. There's unemployment. There's, uh, there are people that have had hours cut. Uh, many people that are struggling to get by and pay bills right now. Uh, but even then, there's still plenty of work to be done. If you're quarantined at home, if you're stuck at home, your hours are cut, man, find something to do. Get some work done. Don't just, be, don't just binge on Netflix all day long. Uh, enjoy entertainment in moderation. Uh, I don't think it would please the Lord if we had, you know, four to six weeks at home and all we have to show for it at the end of the day is a growing waistline and a high score in a video game. That's not pleasing to the Lord. The work is an attribute of God. And of his children. The first to ever work was God himself. We see this in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And creation itself was described as a work of God. The commandment for the, uh, for the day of Sabbath is even based on the fact that God labored for six days and rested on the seventh. Genesis 2, 2. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which, we, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. The commandment for the Sabbath is not just about setting aside a day for rest and worship. The commandment of the Sabbath is this in Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Next verse. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. So the first being to ever work was God. The second to ever work was Adam. And by the way, that work occurred before the fall into sin. Genesis 2.15. And the Lord took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Genesis 2 is before the fall. So work itself is not a consequence of sin. I've heard men preach that and teach that before. We have to work and we have to go to work every day because of sin, because of Eve. And of course, the men always blame the woman. And there is some truth in that. But anyway, we'll, we'll continue on. I'm getting some ugly looks by the women here. So uh, you know, work is not a consequence of sin. The command to work was not caused by sin. And conversely, Working was not reversed by the cross of Christ. I don't have to work because Jesus died on the cross. That's not how it works. Colossians 3.23, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Ecclesiastes 9.10, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Proverbs 10.4, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Now, in this time where... Work may be a little bit lacking in some of our lives. Things might have been, uh, might be different. Times have changed a little bit. Some things are not under our control. We can still find some things to do. We can still find opportunities to work around the house. Look, it doesn't take a lot of, uh, of equipment to wash the windows at your house, to clean things up at home, to clean out the attic, clean out the garage, clean out the closet, man. Sell some stuff on eBay, whatever it may be. But it's been said that an idle mind is a devil's workshop. While that's not in the Bible, I think it's a, biblical, it's a biblical truth. A lot of people have gotten into trouble doing things they didn't need to be doing because they were not doing things that they could have been doing. Let's be careful in this time of, of upset schedules and where things are a little bit out of sorts and out of the ordinary that we don't find ourselves with idle time that leads us to destruction. Let's stay active. Let's be busy to work. 
The days are evil, and these days will waste this season of your life if you let them. And I've seen some funny things posted, some funny memes of people talking about uh, how much they have not gotten accomplished over these last few weeks. But let that, let's let that be something funny that we laugh about, not a reality in our lives. Let's redeem the time. Why? Because these days are evil. Let's take advantage of the time that we have. Last point, we'll finish with this tonight. Don't waste the opportunity to walk with God. That's the immediate issue that Paul is addressing here. When you go through Ephesians chapter 4, you see this statement over and over again. Ephesians 4 verse 1, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Verse number 17, walk not as other Gentiles walk. Ephesians 5 2, walk in love. Verse five, chapter 5 verse 15, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Then he goes into, he goes into describing uh, how we're to walk, to not be drunk with wine. Then he speaks of living a life of gratitude and thankfulness. Then he begins to describe the life of the family and the workplace. Then he describes the whole armor of God and he tells us to put it all on. Why? So that we can stand in this evil day. Look, the word of God has given us instructions prime for the time of life in which we are living right now. There is great fear with a global pandemic. And you may think, well, there's no fear. This is all a conspiracy. This is all a hoax. And it doesn't matter what your opinion is. You may believe that this is an extremely scary, dangerous situation. Regardless of your opinion or my opinion, the bottom line is people in this world are living in fear. And God's given us his word to, to, and how to lead people through times of fear and, and, uh, and discouragement. And as Christians, we're to be the right witness. We're to redeem our time. We're to be a great testimony of grace and peace in times of fear. And then we're living in a day where there's a lot of evil people. There are so many evil people leading and growing and pushing an evil agenda. And as Christians, we're to put on the armor of God so that we can stand in the evil day. I don't know why, and I'm guilty of this just like anybody else, I don't know why we get surprised at the things taking place in the world and how bad the world's getting and how it's waxing worse and worse. The Bible told us this was going to happen. The Bible said these are things that are going to take place, and sometimes we sit back and we act like we can stop it all. You know, we're, we're not going to submit to all this. And, that. and I understand we are to stand. We're to stand for righteousness and stand for the truth of the word of God. But the world is going to do what the world is going to do. And that's already been declared by prophecy of Scripture. Now, in this day in which we live, we're to be a testimony. We're to redeem the time. We're to use it. Use it for the Lord. Why? Because the days are evil. Paul's teaching here in Ephesians 4 and 5, he's teaching that there have been no suspensions on holiness. There have been no cancellations on the commands of God. There's been no executive order that put a freeze on the word of God. And so while many have extra time on their hands, nobody has any extra liberties when it comes to right living before God. Now, again, our schedule's changed. Some of us have run into some issues and problems in our homes and in our lives because of this virus. There's a lot of fear and a lot of problems going on in the world, but that does not give us an excuse. There is still a command to be holy. Young people, there's still a command to honor and obey your parents. All of these things are still commanded in Ephesians 4 and 5. But there are four areas in which we should take careful, uh, we should be careful to not waste time. Even time created by an international pandemic. Don't waste time when it comes to your worship. It ought to be that we have enough time, more time on our hands to stop and worship God and worship him even more 
than we have in the days before. Through all of this, we've, we've talked about this, and many of us have tweeted and we've posted and talked about how essential church is. Brother Jeremiah preached a great message on this last Sunday morning about church being essential. Now we've, now's the time where the rubber meets the road. Now's the time for us to see how essential church is. And most importantly, our worship to the Lord will lead us to a place where we understand and we recognize church as being essential. Our witness, our witness is so valuable. We have the opportunity, again, to be a great testimony, especially to our children. We have the opportunity to show them by our actions how to lead people through the Word of God, how to lead people through a time of fear and a time of, of difficulty in our nation. We ought to work. We've got to stay busy. Stay busy working. God designed us to work. God did not design us to lay around and eat potato chips and watch TV all day. God designed us to work, so let's find time and find projects that we can work on, things to do to stay occupied and stay right with the Lord, and most of all, our walk with God. We have the opportunity now. Some of us have more time than we've had in a long time to walk with God. Take advantage of the opportunities that we have to redeem the time because these days are evil. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've given us tonight, the time that we had this morning.